Is holiness just an experience? Once I have experienced the baptism of the Holy Ghost, do I just coast on? Is holiness also a life? What does a practical life of holiness entail? We are continuing our look into holiness and ethics this morning, continuing from last Sunday morning. Good morning and welcome to God's Resistance. God's Resistance is local in Wilkes-Barre in the Wyoming Valley and spreading elsewhere. If you need someone to talk to or pray with and are interested in joining a small group to help you live as the disciple of Christ, then stay tuned for contact info. My name is Eric Samborski, and I want to thank you for tuning into God's Resistance, where we resist sin, self, the devil, and the world. You can hear us every Sunday at 9 a.m. on WITK, 1550 a.m. and 94.7 FM. If you miss the radio program, then look for the God's Resistance podcast on your favorite podcast platform in YouTube or Gab TV at 9 a.m. every Sunday where these are uploaded and you'll find other content on there as well. You can find us at godsresistance.com and on Facebook, Gab, Gab TV, and YouTube at God's Resistance. That is G-O-D-S-R-E-S-I-S-T-A-N-C-E. Make sure to like, follow, and turn on notifications for helpful spiritual content. You can find us in person every Wednesday at 6.30 p.m., weather permitting, where we will be having street meeting or street service in the Wilkes-Barre Public Square. We also gather together in a home on uh, Sunday mornings at 11 o'clock. If you are interested in having a discipleship atmosphere, worshiping together with other other believers, holding uh, one another accountable to walk with God, then please contact us at gods.resistance at gmail.com or give us a call or text at 570-362-7782. You can also contact us for any questions that you have. Maybe you need someone to pray with, anything like that. Uh, But let's listen in on today's briefing. So we are picking up from last time a certain uh, segment where, well, first of all, the overall thing is holiness and ethics. Um, ethics being the behavior of something. You know, that's we say that's not ethical, meaning that's um, that's not right. This isn't how you should do things. Here's the proper way to do it. And we're talking about that as it regards the life of holiness. Um, so we're picking up, we're about halfway through that lesson from last time. This time we're under a subheading talking about how the separation uh, from the world extends to certain details in our life. And this one that we're picking up on this morning is the attention to the spiritual life of the soul. So what does that look like? We are looking at Ephesians 4, 30, which says, And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. So, We're told, first of all, that we're sealed by the Holy Spirit of God. That is a down payment of our salvation, of our final salvation, meaning when our probationary period is done and we are in heaven forever and ever. We're told that we're sealed by the Spirit. We have the Spirit of God now, knowing that we have a place in heaven if we stay true to Him and walk with Him. And we're told that as that Spirit dwells within us and we have that seal of the Spirit upon us, don't grieve Him. Don't grieve Him. Why? Because we're sealed into the day of redemption. If we grieve the Spirit of God and He ends up then finally turning away from us and we away from Him, we no longer have that seal. We don't, we're not walking carefully before our God anymore. 
And so that is up to us. No one else is going to do that job for us. We need to walk in such a way so as not to grieve the Holy Spirit of God. He's precious to us, dear listener. If you're saved, you know the preciousness of a walk with God. You know that faithfulness of the Spirit, the relationship with God that it's like what David said, take not thy Holy Spirit from me. I don't want that. You don't want that. So it's up to us to do things in such a way so as to not grieve him. How do we do that? Obviously, we need to have a good general knowledge of the scriptures in order to know what God loves and what he hates and to do those things that please him because we love him. So we don't want to grieve the Holy Spirit of God. Ephesians 5, 15 through 20, we read, See then that ye walk circumspectly. That means we're walking carefully, looking around. Not as fools, but as wise redeeming the time, buying it back up because the days are evil. We're redeeming it first and foremost because we wasted so much before we were saved. Now we need to redeem it. Wherefore, be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. And be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. And if we're filled with the Spirit, the Spirit is said to be the Holy Spirit. So we're filled with the holiness of God speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. This is how we maintain that fullness. Singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. So we shun wickedness. We redeem the time, buy it up, use it wisely now. We are trying to discern what the will of God is and walk with it. We're not being drunk with wine. We've put that life behind us, but we're gonna be filled with the Spirit of God. And we we can help that along by speaking to ourselves in, in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. We maintain that fullness, singing and making melody in our heart to the Lord and giving of thanks to God for who he is, what he's done, and um, you know what, what he's revealed to us, how he's helped us. Um, another place we read, put on the whole armor of God that ye may be able to stand against the wiles or the tricks of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all, to stand. Stand, therefore, having your loins gird about with truth, and having on the breastplate of righteousness and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. That's Ephesians 6, 8, uh, 11 through 18. But I just want to go back for a minute. We're putting on the armor of God. That's something you and I need to do if we're Christians so that we can stand against the tricks of the devil because he's always finding, trying to find a way to destroy God's work, to destroy God's children, to trip us up, to get us distracted, to throw us off the way. And we're told to do this because we're not wrestling against people. We're not wrestling against flesh and blood, but we're wrestling against spiritual powers, principalities, powers, rulers of the darkness of this world. There is a, a spiritual battle going on where there are evil beings trying to wage war against the souls of people. And because of that, we're said, we're told to take the whole armor of God, not just a piece of it, but all of it. 
so that we can withstand in the evil day, so that we can be victorious in the midst of gross wickedness and darkness. And then having done all, done doing our part, just to stand. And he tells us what the pieces of those armor, uh, the armor pieces are. He said to stand therefore, having your loins. Loins is your, your waist, you know, and that is a symbol of strength. We're having our loins girt about with truth. So every, our, our, all of our strength is truth. We're going to walk in truth. We're going to talk in truth. We're going to live truth. And having on the breastplate of righteousness. So our heart is guarded with righteousness. I'm going to do the things that are right and pleasing in God's sight. I'm not trying to figure out what's the least amount I can do and please God. I'm in this lock, stock, and barrel. So I put on the breastplate of righteousness. My feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. So I'm walking in ways of peace. I'm not just trying to be nasty and pick fights. That doesn't mean, however, that we're not going to say things that offend people because the gospel is an offense. And that doesn't mean that we we take the, the sword of God and we make a blunt edge. But we also aren't to fight the way the world does. We have the gospel of peace, peace between God and men, peace between men. And we're told to put that on our feet. That's how we're to walk in the ways of peace, peacemakers. Above all that though, taking the shield of faith. And with that shield of faith, we're told we can quench all the fiery darts of Satan. Faith is the victory that overcomes the world, it says in 1 John. And then take the helmet of salvation. So I'm going to put this helmet of salvation on. My mind needs to be protected. And that is through the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, the word of God, we're told, which is the word of God. So I need to protect my mind with a helmet of salvation, my testimony, and the word of God. And all, all the while praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. So we have a prayerful life. This is the armor of God that's going to keep us according to the word of God. We're told, we, we heard, grieve not the spirit of God. Well, 1 Thessalonians 5.19, we're told, quench not the spirit of God. So we're not going to snuff the spirit of God out. And in, in previously in 1 Thessalonians, it gives a list of certain things that we should be careful about. We do not want to quench the spirit. That helps us to realize it is possible to quench the spirit. Your spiritual life can dry up if we're not real. If we don't stay close to God, our spiritual life can dry up and we can be in big trouble. Hebrews 10.25, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. Some people, and especially now in this COVID age, instead of going to church and gathering with believers, we're just going to stay home and watch church online. This scripture speaks against that. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is. Why? Because we're supposed to provoke one another into love, into good works, exhorting one another all the more as we see the day approaching. And you cannot do that through an online church. So we need to gather together and we need to do it all the more. So a lot of people say, I don't need to go to church. I can worship by myself at home. True, you can worship God wherever. But if you do not assemble with other believers, you are disobeying God here. And this is one of those ways, one of those details where we are to keep ourselves from the world. Go to church. Um, Jude 1, 20 through 21. But ye, beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith. So we're building ourselves up 
by gathering together with other believers, by reading the scriptures, by meditating on them, and praying in the Holy Ghost. So we're not just reciting prayers. We're praying out of a, a, a an indwelt spirit, the spirit of God dwelling in us. We're praying in the spirit, keeping ourselves in the love of God. So there's work we have to do to keep the, the fire burning inside of our own soul and looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. Always looking not for this world and what this world can give us, but for the coming of Christ, which will keep us faithful here on earth. And then we're told, uh, and we already said this before, but grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed into the day of redemption. So we're sealed by God's Holy Spirit, meaning he gives us that down payment. We know that there is a home in heaven for us, but this verse helps us to realize that we can grieve that spirit away and that seal that we have can be lost. And it's not lost like, oh no, where did it go? We're forfeiting that salvation, that covenant salvation we have with God. He says, don't grieve the spirit of God. You're sealed by that spirit. You love God. Don't do the things that hurt him. I mean, it's just like things in normal life. We don't want to do things that hurt the people we love, right? We want to please them. We want to show them how much we love and appreciate them. And we do that by our actions. It's the same with our, our walk with God. We do that by our actions. The next thing that we need to realize as far as details of the world being kept out uh, of our lives and us living in a certain way is self-discipline. Now, some people would say self-discipline is works. We shouldn't be doing that. Um, it's by grace through faith, not of works, lest any man should boast. I've heard so many people say that. However, uh, we find in the scripture that a fruit of the spirit is temperance or self-control, which is self-discipline. So that is scriptural. We need to practice self-discipline. Now, discipline, just for the sake of having some kind of Spartan will, is not really that helpful. But when it is spirit-born, when it is spirit-guided, then self-discipline is very helpful and useful in the, spirit, in the spiritual life. However, God's not going to just do it all for us. Even though the spirit it's a fruit of the Spirit, it's something we have to work out the salvation that God has put within us. So we cooperate with God. Um, 2 Timothy 2.3, we're told to endure hardness. So we're not looking for the most disagreeable thing in life to do and then just grab the bull by the horns and say, well, this must be the will of God. But we need to know that as we are Christians, everything is not going swimmingly. In fact, we're in a war. And so we need to get used to enduring hardness. We're enduring a hard life like a soldier. That's the uh, military terminology. If you look in this whole chapter in, in 2 Timothy 2, we need to endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. That's part of self-discipline. We're told we need to study. So a lot of people say, well, I, I just don't know my Bible. I'm not a scholar. I'm not a theologian. We need to study. We need to know this word. We need to know this Bible and ever increasingly so because there's so much fake. There's so much imposters in our day. And we're told that in the last days, there'll be many that call themselves Christians and false prophets and false teachers and all sorts of things. The way that we're going to be kept by that is to discipline ourselves, to study the word of God, to know what it means in its context, then to apply it rightly to our lives and live it out. Study is a part of self-discipline. We need to give diligence. So it's not just it's not enough to just do it in fits and spurts. We need to keep at it diligently, going forward in the power and grace of God, taking this as, as seriously. I'm going to do this diligently. I'm going to apply myself to it intentionally and on purpose. So we need to give diligence. 
First uh, Peter 2.11, we need to abstain from fleshly lusts. That's something you and I have to do. I don't just say, Lord, help me, and then put myself in situations where I'm liable to fall, but I need to do everything in my power to stay away from the things that are going to destroy me. I need to abstain from fleshly lusts. Now, that doesn't mean all desires. It just means those desires that are ruinous to spiritual life. Then, as far as natural God-given human desires in 1 Corinthians 9.27, we need to keep our body under. We need to say no to legitimate things at times. So I need to say no to appetites and keep them in check. That goes for a sexual appetite because sex is, is right in God's sight in marriage. It's a normal desire. I need to keep this in check. And if I'm not married, I need to keep that sexual drive in check so that I am not fulfilling it in a way that is wrong, that displeases God. I need to keep my body under as far as my appetite for food. I need to keep my body under uh, in, in manners of entertainment. So many different things that in and of themselves aren't wrong, but can lead to destruction in my spiritual life. I need to keep my body under. Well, these are ways of self-discipline. And when we come back from the break, we will be moving on to another area. In case you've just tuned in, you are listening to God's Resistance, where we resist sin, self, the devil, and the world. You can hear us every Sunday at 9 a.m. on WITK, 1550 a.m. and 94.7 FM. Visit and like our social media accounts with Facebook, Twitter, Gab, Gab TV, and YouTube. Visit our website at www.godsresistance.com and contact us by email at gods.resistance at gmail.com or call us at 570-362-7782. Moving on now, we're looking at resistance against temptation. This is another area that you and I have to pay attention to. As previously noted, sanctification is not freedom from temptation. Entire sanctification is not freedom from temptation. Jesus himself was holy, and yet he was tempted. He was tempted in all points like as we are, yet without sin. Important. So three facts of temptation that are shown in Scripture. The sinlessness of Jesus, his temptation, and encouragement for us in our temptation. These are three facts of temptation that we find in the scripture. So let's look at Hebrews 4.15. For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are yet without sin, which is what I referenced just a moment ago. So we have to look to our high priest. He lived in this world with all this wickedness and evil. And you say, yeah, but he's the son of God. That's not the point. He lived in this world victorious. He knows what it's like to be a human. He knows the pull of desires that come from being in this world. And he knew how to live victorious in spite of all of it. And he's saying, look to me, your faithful high priest. I can give you victory because I had victory. And so we need to watch our high priest in, in order to overcome temptation. It is worthy of note that a sanctified person needs to expect temptation. That's part and parcel of the Christian life. We have to expect it. We are exhorted to resist temptation. So that is very militant. We need to just put ourselves right up against it and say, no, I'm not going to walk this way. I'm not doing this. I'm going to resist temptation. Um, we uh, There's no hint 
of immunity uh, of, from temptation in the scriptures whatsoever. And I think sometimes when people feel uh, the temptations in their lives, they feel like then it's impossible to live holy because they simply feel the appeal. Feeling the appeal of temptation is natural because temptation would not be temptation unless I did feel the appeal on my desires in some way, shape, or form. When you confuse temptation and, and, and sin inside of you, you are going to have a messed up Christian life. Ask the Lord to help you to understand the difference between actual sin where my will has consented or a temptation, which is a solicitation to evil. And when I find the solicitation to evil, I reject it and resist it with my whole being. It is possible for you to live victorious in this life. Matthew 26, 41. Watch and pray that ye enter not into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. So we need to watch and pray to help us to overcome temptations because we don't have the power in and of ourselves to do this. We need spiritual power. This is where prayer comes in. Okay, on to our next here. 1 Corinthians 10, 13. Here's something that's good to remember. There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But, so here we are. I'm not a special case. Other people are tempted as well. And so here's, this is a great comfort to me. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape that you may be able to bear it. God will help you to escape if I'm looking to him to give me the victory. Uh, Ephesians 4.27, neither give place to the devil. I'm not allowing the devil to stick his foot inside of the doorway. He will not get his toes in here. I'm not giving him a place in my life whatsoever. So that means I may have to change my habits so that I'm not in certain places that it's liable to make me fall. I'm not going to give him place in my life. That's the attitude of a Christian. Ephesians, <clears throat> excuse me, 6, 11. We talked about this before, but put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Putting on the armor of God helps us to resist temptation. Uh, 1 Peter 5, 8 and 9. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may, may devour, whom resist steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. So we need to be sober. We need to be vigilant because the devil is trying to destroy. And then we can resist and do it steadfastly, continuing on, and knowing that this there's there's others that are fighting this war too. We're not doing this alone, by the way. Also, we need to watch our attitudes towards our fellow men or women, for that matter. Love being a huge part. Love is the fulfillment of the law, uh, according to Jesus. So love. And love is not just a mere sentiment. It's not just an ushy-gushy feeling. There's more to it than that. And love is not just something growing out of social concern. It's something even bigger than that. Genuine Bible love flows from a heart that is made pure and filled with the love of God. So we need to have our hearts filled with the Spirit of God in order for us to love the way God wants us to love. 1 Timothy 1.5 Now the end of the commandment is charity out of a pure heart and of a good conscience and of faith unfeigned, meaning genuine faith, not fake faith. That is where love flows from, a pure heart, genuine faith. Uh, 1 Peter 1.22 Seeing ye have purified your souls 
in obeying the truth through the spirit unto unfeigned or genuine love of the brethren, see that ye love one another with a pure heart fervently. So a pure heart, having our hearts purified by faith is the beginning of having the love of God shed abroad in our hearts so that we can love people the way Christ loves people. And this love is directed towards three classes of people. First, we are to love our brother. First John uh, 4.21, And this commandment have we from him, that he who loveth God loveth his brother also. Whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ is born of God, and everyone that loveth him that begat, love him also that is begotten of him. First John 5.1. We also need to love not only our brethren, but our neighbor. And he answering said, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy strength, and with all thy mind, and thy neighbor as thyself. Luke 10, 27. That's part of the fulfillment. The first half of the Ten Commandments is about loving God. The second half is about loving your neighbor. So we need a little bit of context here. Um, the context is about the Good Samaritan in that previous verse. Um, the good the Samaritans were people the Jews hated. They thought they were they were a dirty mixed breed, part of uh, the Babylonian captivity, adopting certain things. They weren't pure Jews essentially. So the context, <coughs> excuse me, was a good Samaritan was the one that loved like a neighbor should love someone else, and the priests and the Levites failed at it. So a neighbor basically is anyone who is in need, according to Jesus. We also need to love our enemies. That is easier said than done, it appears. That's why it takes the grace of God to do it. We need to love our enemies. Uh, Matthew 5, 44. But I say unto you, love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, and pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. We need to love our enemies instead of hating them. The world hates their enemies. Christians are a different breed. So how is this love to be shown in a practical manner? In certain attitudes and actions. That's the only way that people can know love and experience love is by the things we do or do not do. So let's look at one of them. Kindness and forgiveness. That shows love in a powerful way. Because in the world around us, people are just angry. They hold grudges. Even within families, we won't talk to people for years but showing love through kindness and forgiveness is powerful because it is at an, at an all-time low, it almost appears, in our society. So we read in Ephesians 4.32, <clears throat> Be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another. Listen to this. Even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. So we're, we're forgiving others the same way that Christ forgave us of our sins, the sins that we had done to him that put him on the cross. He's saying, now you go and forgive just like I did. Kindness and forgiveness is what we need to be showing uh, love to other people through. First Peter 2, 21 through 23. For even hereunto were ye called because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that ye should follow his steps who did no sin, neither was guile or deceit found in his mouth, who when he was reviled, reviled not again. When he suffered, he threatened not, but committed himself to him that judgeth righteously. <clears throat> so we're suffering through things. Instead of having the payback spirit, we're, we're gonna be like Christ and we'll suffer wrongs, not rendering evil for evil or railing for railing, 
but contrarywise, blessing, knowing that ye are thereunto called, that ye should inherit a blessing. Knowing where I came from and what God did for me, I'm going to bless people rather than curse them. To speak evil of no man, to be no brawlers, but gentle, shewing all meekness unto all men, Titus 3.2. In certain attitudes and actions, we, we show concern for spirit, the spiritual welfare of others. Wherefore, if meat make my brother to offend, I will eat no flesh while the world standeth, lest I make my brother to offend, 1 Corinthians 8.13. That you may approve things that are excellent, that you may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ. So we're not going to be with offense even towards other people. And of some having compassion, making a difference, and others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garments spotted by the flesh, Jude 1, 22 through 23. Um, and so here we are uh, in showing compassion and love for other people. Where are you, dear listener? Do you is, is God spoken to you through this where you now have to take a step up and to be uh, in a different position in your spiritual life to grow and to, to take on the ethics of holiness and live this holy life? Take that next step. Take that next step to grow, to imbibe the spirit of Christianity, to live it out, not to just say you're a Christian, but to be a Christian in thought, word, and deed. Your next step is to call 570-362-7782 or email us at gods.resistance at gmail.com. I would love for you to get a hold of me. We could go out, get a coffee somewhere. We could meet together, pray together, uh, and, and maybe hook you up with a group of other believers, discipling, being accountable. We need, we need one another to make it through this life. I would like you to give me that call, but above all, join the resistance, God's resistance. Special thank you to Spectacular Sound Productions for giving permission for the use of the song Heroes and Monsters, which was edited and used in part on this production. The permission was granted under Attribution Sharealike 4.0 International Creative Commons license. That license may be found at https colon forward slash forward slash creativecommons.org forward slash licenses forward slash by hyphen essay forward slash 4.0 forward slash legal code.